Thanks so much. Good morning again, everybody. I'm Greg. I am a compulsive overeater. Hi, Greg. I'm so happy to be here today. Earlier this week, I found myself uh, fantasizing about all the ways I was going to do this wrong today. Right? Right? All the judgments that you would be having about me, other speakers I had listened to, how I'm not going to measure up to them. And uh, even imagining that when it came to the Q&A part, nobody would have any questions because I was so boring that, that it didn't intrigue anybody about what I had to say. And then a thought changed all of that. And I remembered, you're my people. I need you. You need me. Any of us at any time sits down, someone else speaks, and we heal together. This is connection. This is not performance which has not been something that I have felt throughout the rest of my life, which is where I want to start, which is when I was a kid, I always knew that there was something cellularly wrong with me. I found things to to prove it. I wasn't tan like my friends. I had freckles. I had red hair. Um, I didn't know how to, I didn't know what was cool to wear, how to dress. I found reasons to justify this pit inside of me that says something is just wrong with me. I'm not like other people. I'm worse. I didn't have a name for it then. I do now. That the word is shame. Somehow I took this belief inside to just say that, that everybody else is better and that I have to hide all my deficiencies or else they'll know and I'll be alone. And that was worse than hell to me. So there was something that I learned that I was given that would temporarily numb that pain. That was food. When I was eating, thinking about eating, or had just eaten, that pain temporarily went away. My mom is one of us. She decided this program isn't for her. But she showed love, still does, through food. She showed love through food. We celebrated through food. We connected through food. We ate when we were bored. And then if something was hard or difficult or sad, we used food, right? I learned it was my medication. My dad, who is also one of us, he compulsively overate at times, but then he was critical of what I would eat. He would call Coca-Cola rat poison. He would look at certain things and you know, either make outward comments or inward comments, and both would hurt very deeply. So I learned that to eat in front of people was dangerous. It was vulnerable. I, would be, I could be judged. I could be watched. When my dad would go away on work trips, which happened every three to four months, my mom would drive him to the airport. And then on her way back, she would stop at the store and she would get all of the amazing junk food that we weren't allowed to have in the house. It was all health food on other days. But when he was gone, it was this, it was the TV dinners, it was the breakfast this, it was the sweet that. It was everything. And it was a party. And I mean, in here, it was a party. It felt like freedom to me. Wake up all day, and I was with, yet again, I was with others who were doing the same as me, my mom and my brother, and I, we would just celebrate. On the day he came back, and she was going to go pick him up from the airport, she would take a garbage bag, anything that wasn't eaten, she would put it in, and she would put it, and put it under something in the garbage bin, so that he wouldn't see it. And it felt, when I think about it, like dark, gloomy clouds would then settle in. It was like, we were free, and now I'm back in prison again, is how it felt which is such a sad reality that this was light and rainbows and sunshine, eating, eating all the time. 
and then back to real life of having things moderated felt like hell to me. It felt like loneliness and sadness. So throughout, I would say starting in high school and all the way throughout my life, I was one of the only people I knew who was on a diet. None of my high school friends were doing diets. I was doing commercial diets. And I'll tell you something about diets. For me, they work. They absolutely work. And when they're restrictive and they're specific and I can only eat this much, I am like no, I'm like maybe a lot of other people. I do it to a T and it's amazing. Until that moment comes, a day later, maybe an hour later, a month later, where I break it and then I'm off. The dam breaks, the diet's gone, right? And then I go back to my drug of choice, my Novocaine, my spiritual Novocaine, which is the food. So I can stop, as you've heard before. I can't stay stopped, right? And what I kept telling myself is, what the hell is wrong with me? Why can other people do this and I can't? And I filled in the gaps. I filled in the blanks. I'm just that messed up. I'm just that stupid. I just don't have the willpower. I haven't found the right diet yet. As soon as I do, when I find the one that works, then I'm good. There was one diet I did many years ago where it was restrictive for six days and then one day I could eat everything I wanted. And it was a buffet around me. I would sit in a chair on Sundays, watch football, and just have everything I had built up all week. And it worked as far as I lost weight every single week and I thought I found my cure. This is it. Right? And a friend of mine said, you'll know you're conquering this when you don't need to pack six days of food into that one day. And I thought, what's wrong with him? I'm losing weight. He doesn't get it. Eventually, as always, I broke that plan and that plan went out the window and I put all the weight back on. I had a, a personality of being the big eater. It was celebrated. Right? And I was so lucky throughout my life because I'm tall. And that stretched out. Otherwise, I would have been very heavy my entire life. And so I was the big guy. People didn't come around and say, looks like you're really having a problem with food. Looks like you need to go on a diet. Uh, they might have thought that, but they didn't say it to me. And it was just like, oh, Greg's the big eater. How fun. Let's do this. Let's do that. And we've all eaten, but let's put all this stuff. Can you finish all of this on the food? And I got so much attention and validation while I was eating myself silly. And making myself sick, but also making my heart happy, right? I'm thinking about a bunch of vacations that I took, whether by myself or when I was in relationships. And after a day or two, it's just so much all about the food that I will wake up every day feeling full and feeling gross. Here are all these amazing things we can go do. Let's go this hike. Let's go to this park. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I would go, but I was acquiescing. Because what I wanted was lunch. I'd had a big breakfast, but when's lunch? When are the snacks? I was full, I was tired. Imagine going somewhere, paying all the money. All I really wanted to do is sit on the bed, sit on the couch and watch television. Because I'm just here to relax and eat, right? And I think back through a lot of vacation. Now I didn't do that, by the way. But it was like, I had to be dragged along, I had to drag myself along because it has been about the food, it was always about the food. The most lonely times in my compulsive overeating, I should say even in the lack thereof, is nighttime. I can think of however many hundreds of times that I would start an eating plan or what what I call the diet at the time. 
and uh, would come home at night and there was just a feeling in my gut of this isn't fair. This is torture. And so to compulsively overeat by myself was my favorite thing. No one could watch me. No one could watch how much I'm eating. They wouldn't judge what I'm eating. I could just be in it. Right? Many years ago, I was at a, a nighttime meeting, uh, just some random meeting, and it wasn't OA. I hadn't found OA yet. And it was a Tuesday. I remember that because it was day two of a diet. And it was about 8 o'clock p.m. I was driving home, and I was stopped at a stoplight. And I could see in front of me 7-Eleven, right? My home was to the right. I was taking a right turn. 7-Eleven in front of me, home was to the right. And it was one of the few times where I had that deep craving that I said, I'm going to turn right. I'm going to go home. And as I did, I was aware of this profound sadness. Profound sadness. The best way I could describe it is it felt like my best childhood friend was standing on that corner crying and waving to me saying, why won't you come spend time with me? I thought, what is this? We're talking about a bag of chips and ice cream, right? And I want to weep because instead I'm going to go home. I've already eaten my dinner. I'm just going to go home. I probably broke that plan a day or two later, by the way. But this is not about food tasting better to me than it tastes for other people. Some part of my brain established many, many decades ago that this was survival. You may have heard it said in AA and other programs, alcohol um, saved my life until it started to kill me. Right? And I think about that with all addiction. I think about that about my, my compulsive overeating. I had something that I could go to that would medicate the shame. But I didn't know that that's what I was doing. A dear friend of mine said once, I don't understand when you, I was saying my, my belt feels tight, my stomach feels big, I feel full. Um, and she said, I don't understand when you feel fat and when you feel full, doesn't that make you want to stop eating? And there are only one type of room in the world where people understand the joke of that question. Because I said, of course, it's the exact opposite. I feel ashamed of this. And therefore, I want to medicate that shame with the same thing that creates this. All right. And on and on and on we go. And then the bigger I get, the more I need the food. Years after a relationship, a many years relationship ended, I... I Became, began a friendship with the, the woman who, who I had been my girlfriend. And I talked to her, and we were, I was asking a lot of very vulnerable questions, and we were talking about, you know, the autopsy of like, yeah, this is what hurt, this is what... And I, said, I asked her a specific question, and she said, you know, it hurt me that you would never walk around naked. And we lived together. She said, it felt like you didn't trust me. And I was thinking... There was no you in this equation, right? I just realized, oh, I just realized when she said that, that she was even there in that moment. I cannot have someone. It's like this, this voice in my head says, my body is not acceptable as it is. And anyone who sees it as it is will swear off me, will lose any attraction, will probably not even want to know me, right? It's a lie, but it doesn't feel like a lie. 
I had an ex-girlfriend many years ago. I would go visit her, and she lived with her mother. Um, and one day she said, we, um, oh, we have this box of a very popular brand of candy, of chocolate, I should say, a mixed box. It's right here if you want some. And I said, how long have you guys had this? When did you get it, you know, this morning? And she said, oh, I think a month or two ago we got this. I said, a month or two ago? This box has been, and everybody knows, right? You all know it's here? She said, yeah, I'll take one. If I think about it, I'll take one. That box, and I'm not joking and I'm not being hyperbolic, that lasts 12 minutes with me. Done. And there's a special double-decker one, that, uh, a brand named Chocolate. That's 24 minutes, right? One sitting with other things around. And so, that's, yeah, I'm not alone. And so I found myself, every time I would go back and forth, when there was no one else in the room, I'd open the drawer, I'd take one out, and I'd eat it. And then some of you might know this part as well. As soon as I took enough, I would have to start kind of arranging them, right? <laughs> so that it wasn't clear that they were disappearing because of me. I was obsessed. That is one of 20,000 times in my life where I can say that about knowing some food was there because free food or food that comes along with something I've already paid, that is, used to be my kryptonite. Kryptonite. What a sucker will I be, even though I'm full right now and I don't want anything else. If I get home today and then I could have had more of this for free, but now I have to go get it, right? It was torture to me. Uh, one other moment uh, I want to mention before I talk about what happened and what life is like today is I was uh, on yet another eating plan and I was with a friend and we were on a trip and I was going to go to the breakfast. Uh, it was a free buffet that you get at a place and I was just going to eat reasonably, whatever it was, reasonably. I knew what I was going to have. Instead, two plates, this, that, more of this, that, just the, the fattest, most sweetest, most unhealthy things. And it was just like this. And I was sitting with him and eating, eating, eating autopilot. And I got back to the room. We had, we had separate rooms for that trip. And I hated myself maybe as much as I've ever hated myself in my life. I was disgusted with myself. And it's the closest I ever came to throwing up on purpose. I cried. I was enraged. I was guilty and I was more than, not more than anything, but along with that, I was confused. How did this happen? X days, I was perfect. I go downstairs, I know what I'm going to have, and instead I have a smorgasbord of things that I should not have eaten that day. What is wrong with me? And all of the answers that I came up with were shame-based answers. A mentor of mine at a place that I used to work um, I was sending men that I was working with to a 12-step program, one that I'm not a part of. And I was preaching and I was learning about it. I was saying the program calls and the meetings and this is what happens to your brain when you go and you got to go and you do this and do that. And it was, I was seeing the change it was making in these men's lives. And I just became more and more and more and more of a 12-step person. And my boss and mentor said, you need to read the big book of AA because if you're preaching this, you need to know where this all started, where it comes from, and you need to know all the terminology. And I was reading the book and on about page 10, 11, 12, I said, holy shit, this is me with food. I had no idea. I had never considered that there was an addiction and that I needed a program. And I think I came, I had to trick myself to come through the back door of OA because I believed in 12-step before I ever became a member of 12-step program. And to me, I realized I'm not stupid. 
It's not that I haven't found the right diet, like I said earlier. I'm not beyond help. I'm an addict. That was not a prison sentence to me. It was one of the most freeing moments of my entire life. Because suddenly, decades upon decades, made sense. I made sense. And like I said before, I already had understood the 12-step works. I had seen it work in other people's lives. So I went to Sunday morning Jocelyn Park meeting in Venice. First meeting I ever went to in OA. I was home. I heard my words coming out of your mouths. We all did this. We all nodded our heads when, you know, when, when other people told the stories. We all laughed at things like chocolate boxes in a drawer. And we all cried at things like 7-Elevens in the distance and a broken heart by not going to get the chips that night. Something changed in my brain. And to me, of all of the different tools and all of the different pieces of OA that are so important, for me, the stories are the A-bomb in a good way. It's the stories that change my brain. Because suddenly I realized it's not me, it's us. I'm not this uniquely flawed, shameful person. I make sense and here are my people. So what is abstinence? We talked about that earlier here in this meeting. I read the pamphlets. I didn't know what abstinence was. We are not a diet and calories club, it says. I found that my abstinence, with the help of a sponsor at the time, my first sponsor, three meals a day, one optional snack, and those meals are one plate, one bowl. It doesn't matter how big. It doesn't matter what size the plate is. It's that I look at the food and I commit to myself, this is my meal. If I ate a meal, it doesn't matter what's on the plate, and then after that meal I had a bite of broccoli, my brain says, off to the races. Let's go to 7-Eleven, let's go to the store, let's go to the fast food, let's just do this. Broccoli? Broccoli's not the problem. The problem is my heroin is eating in a non-structured way. All of our abstinences look different from one another's. And for me, I have found over the years that's, that's what works. I found a sponsor. I called him every day. And for the first time in my life, I could stay stopped. I couldn't believe it. A week went by, a month went by, six months went by. I was losing weight, but more than anything, I thought, I'm able to eat in, in, in some sort of an emotionally and physically healthy way. How is this possible? It was an absolute miracle. And how do I know it was a miracle? Because I have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times that I tried to do that by myself and I couldn't. It was magic to me that this, this what we're doing right now, allowed me to stay stopped. So then I had a really brilliant thought. I've discovered that three meals a day, one plate, and then an optional snack, that's the magic. That's, now I figured it out. What I now realize is I just, I just turned that into another diet, really. And I didn't make this decision consciously, but I know subconsciously I, I decided I've now figured it out. I can go to meetings eh, when it comes to me, when I want to, when it's convenient, right? Eventually, as I'm sure you know, you've heard a lot of people say, or maybe you've been, even experienced, eventually I just stopped going. Months down the road, I know exactly where I was at 
Main Street in Disney World in Florida, mm-hmm. at the Magic Kingdom. And I remember having the thought, I had food in my hand, I thought, oh shit, I'm not abstinent anymore. Huh. Oh, when did that happen? I realized it had, you know, it had, oh yeah, I'd been kind of doing this forever and I just stopped thinking about it. And I have been silently, but loudly in here, judgmental of everybody I had heard say in a meeting that they had taken off all this weight and then they had put it back on and then more. And the thought that I heard in my head was, I couldn't, that would never be me. I couldn't do that. Wow. I felt so sorry for these people that had done that, but I said, that could never be me. You know the story that I'm about to tell. Uh, I had taken off about 45 pounds, right? I couldn't believe it. And everybody said, you changed your life, you buy new clothes. You know, I was so happy with the results. And over the course of the few years that I just stopped coming to OA, I put all that weight back on, plus about another 35, just for good measure. 80 pounds I put back on. Little by little, right? I didn't put on 80 80 pounds in a week. You can't, right? But because if left to my own devices, I can't do this. I need you. I've proven it. And I've got this is, uh, are the three most dangerous words as far as my addiction are concerned. I told my wife, I said, if I ever tell you I don't need OA, please punch me right in the mouth. You have my permission. And tell me to stop being so stupid and get to a meeting right then and there. I am proud to know that I will need this program and I will need all of you until the day I die. I'm not ashamed to belong to this club, this club I need and I love. So just before the world shut down in March of 2020, uh, somebody who I, a woman who I'd been in meetings with for years and who had what I wanted. Oh, lots. Oh, okay. um, You have six before five. Um, yeah. I waited after a meeting to speak to this woman to ask if she would sponsor me. And there was a line, a line of people. And I said, uh, will you sponsor me? And do you sponsor men? And she said, um, I, I, I think we could do this. I think we can make this work. Um, will you come to this meeting every single Monday? This is going to be your home meeting. And you, have, you know, if you want me to sponsor you. And I said, I, I'll stand on my head if you ask me to. Um, and she's been my sponsor ever since. I committed my food to her every day. I called her every day. And I realized it was so important to me that every single day, somebody on this planet knew what I had eaten the day before. And that voice that I told you about, that really shaming voice, was saying to me, um, oh, wait till she sees this, right? I would text my food from the day before and I would almost like wince I'd almost like what's she going to say back and I'd get like a heart emoji back and i think oh god oh. <laughs> I ate fried chicken last night it's like uh, she didn't say like why did you choose that couldn't you have had something better she was like good job you're abstinent it was on one plate are you are you abstinent yes and then every once in a while I would, you know, tuck something, put it away, and then it would be like, well, wait a minute, well, did you this, did you do that? And I'd think, oh my God. And again, it's the voice of my father all over again. 
that I'm projecting onto anybody, someone who cares about me, right? someone who wants what's best for me. It wasn't even tough love, it was love that I was getting. But I can project that onto anybody. And so it brings me back to a time in college where I used to uh, uh, enlist people to support me when I was on a diet and, and health plan, right? <laughs> and I loved it, right? And they would ask and they would support me and they would give me all the compliments because they were deserved. I was losing weight, I was looking great and all these things. But what would happen? I'd break it. I remember a very specific moment like it was yesterday, 30 years ago, maybe a little less. I had eaten this super nachos. It was at a, at, you know, you just have a card at, at, at school. I would just put it on the card and I would get this thing. And my roommate was just like, yeah, you're doing great. And you're running and you're this and you're amazing. And he came home and I had finished this. I had broken it, you know, my, my diet. And I was walking out of the room with this empty container. And we walked past each other. Hey, man. Hey, okay. And then he stopped and said, wait a minute. What is that? And I said, come on, man. Leave me alone. What are you doing in it? And he starts really hammering me. It's like, why did you do this? And what I basically told him is, I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to know from you right now. Don't talk to me. Don't ask me any questions. I wanted him when I was being a good boy, right? What he and I thought were like, this is right. As soon as I did something wrong, I wanted no eyes on me. I wanted no ears on me. <laughs> um, there are times, and I've realized this, that so much of my, my step work with my sponsor and the committing to the food and the calling, there's intimacy in that. Right? There's connection in that. I'm sharing what used to feel like the most shameful parts of me, the most secretive parts of me with somebody who is there to support me. And at times, correct me, and course correct me, and give me tough love and tell me where she thinks I'm going wrong. Thank God. I got married earlier this year, and it, we, we delayed it a year because we knew COVID would be over by 2022. Um, we were wrong. And... Um, and that was stressing me terribly. Okay, we're going to have these coarse meals, and what am I going to do? And then there's the bite of cake, and there's the dessert. What, 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 what? And my sponsor just said, hey, it's your wedding. You tell them what you need. I thought, oh, my God, I can do that? I can inconvenience someone so that I can be healthy? Okay. And I told the people at the venue, I said, hey, I know you have these three courses or whatever it is. I need it all on one plate. Thank you. You know what they said? Sure. Of course. No problem. My snack that day, I had planned it ahead of time, was one bite of cake fed to me and a small uh, a little plate of desserts. Right? And I was, it, was, it, was, it was perfect. I had spent so much time stressing about what if, I'm going to break it, and what wrong, right, wrong. And, and more than anything, like if I can't eat these things, I'm going to be trapped, and it's not fair. Right back to my childhood. I worked my program. I have just over two and a half years of abstinence. Um, thank you. And the first sponsee that ever called me, he was a big 12-stepper in another program. And he called me and he says, you have what I want. Will you sponsor me? And I spent the next 10 minutes trying to convince him why I shouldn't sponsor him. <laughs> so, Here's why you're going to be frustrated with me. You know this. You could talk you know, circles around me as far as the big book. You know that I'm going to let you down. And he said over and over again, you have what I want. And it was great. Shockingly, I realized, like, oh, I actually do have something to give back to people. Right? I'm not the neophyte anymore. I'm not the, the... Is that time? Yes, before questions. Perfect, thanks. And so I just want to finish with this. I realize that I get squirrely sometimes. 
you can realize within my abstinence, there's a lot of room for this type of meal or that type of meal, as long as it's on one plate. And I realize when I start to get squirrely, like, oh, I'm eating a lot of this and a lot of that, things that aren't so healthy for me. And I get confused until I think about, wait a minute, I haven't gone to a meeting in the last X days. I haven't called a fellow in the X days. I haven't done any reading, haven't done any meditating. I need this program or my brain says, just get a little bit of your heroin. Just take a little bit. I am lost without you. I love being one of the people here that you need and I will keep coming back until the day I die. Thank you. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Any questions? Oh, this is my nightmare. Okay. Yeah. Uh, could you share more about your higher power? Yeah. And also about, um, did you have a goal weight? Did you reach a goal weight? Do you weigh yourself each week? Those are meant to. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, so the question is, uh, can I say more about my higher power? And then as far as, do I have a goal weight? Have I reached my goal weight? Where do I stand with that? So let me go backwards. Um, I have had a goal weight that was too low. I did hit that in my original go around. Um, at the moment, I am a bit heavier than my goal weight. And when I, when I have been at what I considered like an updated goal weight, people who have known me for a long time said, you're too, you're too thin. Uh, I don't believe that that's correct necessarily. And I've said, we, we get used to seeing people in a certain way. And then after a time, you see their face get smaller and you think you're too thin. So I'm hovering just above my goal weight. Um, and when I was at my goal weight, and this was an amazing thing to experience, and I look at pictures of myself back then, I thought I was too fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people said, you're not just there, you're under where you should be. And I thought, yeah, but you're not seeing this, and you're not seeing this, and you're not seeing me at this angle and that angle. Um, and people have said, man, you're healthy. And when I look at pictures back then, I think, wow, I was, I was thin, but I didn't feel that way. So my sponsor has consistently told me to throw the scale out. Um, I haven't done that. Uh, however, I have allowed myself not to rely on it as a pass or fail, which is how I spent the rest of my life. And I try my best, <laughs> I do better some days than others, to use the scale as feedback. Feedback. Okay, I see now that this isn't working so much. I think this is, I'd like to be, or okay, wow, this is, this is going well, and I'm, you know, and I'm not being abusive toward myself, and I'm really eating. So I use the scale to try to help, help me stay sane, um, but it's not my higher power, and it was. That number was my higher power for a long time. My higher power, I've had a, a tricky relationship with that. I, am, I was religious when I was younger. I was new age spiritual when I was an adult. I have been an atheist at times. And so in my step work, I really discovered that to me, my higher power, and I actually do use the word God in my own head and out loud, it's love. And I call God just this enormous, all-encompassing, powerful, loving force whose messages are that of support <laughs> and, and just, just overwhelming amounts of love, um, but no judgment. 
and no criticism. There are times where my higher power uh, are all of you. The group, group uh, consciousness in a meeting like this um, penetrates whatever goes on up here and allows my brain to be sane again. And as I said before also, uh, I mentioned stories. Sometimes stories, your stories are my higher power. Your stories keep me sane. They also make me feel loved because I'm allowing those messages in, right? Those messages of love to myself. So tomorrow morning, what will be my higher power? Um, I, I like to really just move towards something that's peaceful and loving. And 10 to 20 years from now, I hope to have a more, more specific answer than that. Um, but, but again, my, and my sponsor has said, pray. Do you have a feeling of what you're praying to? Yes, I do. Good, then just pray, pray. Um, and know that you're being heard. And by the way, if that's just psychological, awesome. That's great. If that's spiritual and it's actually, you know, a presence, that's even better. Right. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, so much in there. Um, can you tell me a little bit about um, how your relationship mm-hmm. have changed? Yeah. Um, and where do you see, like, I mean, obviously you just got married. So, like, you know, how does all of that play together for you with regard to your yeah. um, program? Thank you. The question is, how have my relationships changed as in regard to my program? And in fact, how is my relationship now? Uh, my wife is absolutely amazing. She is not one of us. Um, she came to a meeting with me once and said, this was great. I love that you come. You don't need it. Not for me. She's right. She's right. I have the most intimate relationship that I have ever had before with my wife. Um, I don't know how many hours or hundreds of hours of therapy I've done. I did a master's program where 80 to 90% of it was self-help and self-work. And so little by little by little, I have arrived at a place and have now a partner where who I am as I am is safe to express. There are times where I say to my wife, um, I feel really sad today because... Last night we had this amazing meal out and I got to play and the food is this and this morning I know I'm back to X, Y, or Z and I'm just feeling sad. You know what she says? Thanks for telling me. That's it. Or I love you. Or, and like later in the day she'll say, thank you so much, I really appreciate you telling me that. Um, I'm safe to tell her that because I know I'm safe and I'm safe because she is safe. So to be loved for exactly who I am is something that was impossible to the little kid in my brain and the little kid that I was many decades ago. But in this relationship, there are times where I'll tell her, like, my thoughts and obsessions are about the food. And it's funny that you ask that. I, I realized this just a couple days ago. Like, I'll be driving home and I'll think, hmm, I could eat this tonight or maybe I can go get this, like something fun and maybe more fattening. And I have the instinct, like, I want to go home and hug my wife and tell her I love her when I'm thinking about eating, like, the more fattening meal. And I just think with a lot of compassion, like, oh, my God. Like, eating, this, like, visceral eating is so linked to love with me. Because it was originally. So I do love her. I do tell her that. I'm very open with that. But not because I'm about to eat something really fattening. Um, And in my past relationships, food always played a part. Food played a part in in me not feeling like I was sexy enough, not feeling like I um, could be, you know, like my body was good enough, 
like, and that shame voice always said, any woman who gets to know the real you, she might not even know why, but she'll fall out of love with you. Because the shame has told me in the past, because the real you is gross. And nobody would love the real you. And so while I did in past relationships um, feel like, you know, um, wow, I'm a, a great partner, and I was, and I was, and I'm romantic, and I'm intimate, and all these things, all those things were true. But I, I did have um, walls up. I did have defenses. And food absolutely, food played a part in my life and my medication. It certainly played a part in my relationship because I was shooting myself full of Novocaine. How can I be intimate when I'm having a feeling and I'm going home and just, or, or being with somebody and eating, and then I eat myself into oblivion and I don't feel sexy and I don't want to kiss and I don't want to be, you know, romantic and intimate in bed. I just want to sit here and I become very lazy Right? And that's not good for a relationship, and it hasn't been in the past. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you for your share. Um, you mentioned that you had some body image issues, and some of them internal, some of them external. Uh, what work did you do, either external or internal, with the program or not the program, that helped you deal with it, overcome it? Thank you. The question is, uh, I mentioned that I had internal and external body image issues and what have I done over the years to overcome it. Um, it'll be a work in progress until the day I die. But I don't say that as an insult to myself. I say that as maybe, maybe hopeful. Um, the work that I have done is saying to my body, actually talking to my body. This literally happened several days ago. <laughs> We're lucky enough to have a home gym in our garage. And we have mirrors now, thanks to my wife. She needs mirrors for her to watch the forum and everything. I was running on the treadmill and I was watching myself and my first thought was, oh God, you're disgusting. <laughs> I, was, I had no shirt on and I was just judging myself. And I said, oh, what just happened? So I looked at my body and I said, I love you. And then I started saying, I'm healthy. And I, then I started saying, thank you, thank you. I'm alive. And so, Realizing, first of all, that I was looking at my body and thinking about my body through a filter of shame. And there's a place, um, I won't mention it because I know we're in an OA meeting, but one of the mottos that they had was, healing is the application of love to the places inside that hurt. That could be you know, on every billboard in Los Angeles, and I think it would serve us all. And so what I've done is do every way I can get love into that place inside of me. It's not like once, I, and, I, and it was a beautiful thing when I reached this goal weight very low many years ago, and I, I wasn't proud of myself. I didn't feel sexy. I felt fat. And then I put some weight back on. I thought, oh, I get it. I'm never going to be. I'm never going to be at the weight where I think I look good enough. So that realization led me to open my heart to myself. Um, and I will literally, like I said, I, I, when I find myself being critical, um, I try to love whatever is in pain in that moment. But a lot of time that is the literal feeling of like, I love you, body. Thank you. I could be not alive right now. I run. I love running. I never could have said that uh, decades ago. I love running. And I say thank you to my legs. Thank you to my heart, to every single piece of my body. Because otherwise I couldn't do this. So... I love it, I try to love it some more, and then I try to love it some more after that. <laughs> and to me, it's a recipe to every day hopefully love my body more and more. And yet again, um, and my wife, back to that too, um, she's helped. <laughs> um, there are days she eyes me up like a pork chop, you know, not to use a food analogy, I guess I just did. 
But where I, and that part of my brain says like, this, this, me? And then I realize like, wait a minute, just take it in. Just take it in. This person, who's the only one I actually really care about, this person thinks I'm beautiful. This person thinks I'm sexy. Can I try that on for size? And just letting some of that reflection in. Whether I'm heavier, whether I'm lighter, whatever it is, it's, it's to me the self-talk, but not just like writing affirmations. Those are great. Saying them in the mirror, that's great too. But the adult me sitting here right now saying it to the little kid inside of me, you are beautiful. Your body is beautiful. Whatever it looks like, you matter. I love you. That's the message. And that's helped me over time. Any other questions? Sir? Great lead. You, you talked at the beginning of your lead about this is about connection, not performance. Mm-hmm. So how do you take your program out there where it's very much about performance? Mm-hmm. Uh, the question is, I've, I've said that, that program is about connection, not performance. Where it's at. Um, how do I take it out there in the world? I am lucky, Michael, that um, my what I do for a living involves connection. So I have trained myself more and more through loving self-talk in moments like today and moments like others to just remind myself this isn't a performance. Some people are going to love me. Some people are going to not like me. And some people aren't going to you know, give crap about me. And that's okay. So um, I do connection over and over again every single day. And then when I find myself worried about how is this person going to perceive me, I just try to talk. Just try to talk to that little kid inside and say, man, you can just be you. And it's a work in progress. Makes sense. Thanks, everybody.